It's show 113 of the RIM Pro Report. Today, Guy Wilson of Fort Knox Records Management in Australia joins us. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. I've been in Europe this week and spent some time with the O'Neill team at the European Information Management Conference. Let me say how much I appreciate their commitment to future development. Future development is not sexy work. It never is. It demands significant investment and expertise dedicated to creating great software products long before they can ever be sold. But O'Neill just thinks that way. They do the back-breaking development work that leads to future possibilities. Fact is, they pioneered software development in this industry a long time ago. So if you're interested in learning more about this really cool company, you can check O'Neill Software out for yourself at O'NeillSoft.com. You know, it's my European vacation show. And no, I did not invite Chevy Chase to join me. But will you? Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, it's me, and I'm having an amazing week here in Europe. Earlier in the week, I was in Brussels at the Nade Prism Armac Hunt Friends. It was great to catch up with so many people, lots of great speakers, and what a great chance for the European Rim community to get to know each other, share experiences, and learn a lot from each other. I was really glad to be able to be a part of it. And based on some cool new acquaintances I made this last week, I hope to be able to introduce them to you in some of our upcoming shows. So, for the record, a Belgian chocolate, pralines, and waffles are pretty amazing. I even tried the Belgian fry, and if you ever get here, you must try them too. Enough about food, let's get on with the show. Today, we're going down under to talk to Guy Wilson. Guy is the general manager of Fort Knox Records Management, a national Australian rim service company headquartered in Melbourne, Australia. A number of years ago, I met Guy and learned a little bit about his and his family's business. It intrigued me enough that I wanted to have him on the show today. So from Europe to Australia and all around the world, we keep having great guests on the show each week. Now, Normally, I would spend some time in the industry news, but without good access to it this week, let's head right into talking to Guy. So I want you to hold tight while I get him on the line. Guy Wilson is the general manager of Fort Knox Records Management based in Melbourne, Australia, metropolitan area. Guy, welcome to the call. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, and thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's really good to have you. We met a number of years ago, and I think we sat on a bus together, and we chatted for a while, and I was intrigued by your story. So let, let's start by telling me a little bit about Fort Knox. Uh, what services do you have, the size of your business? Give me an overview of the company as it is today. Sure, Tom. Uh, well, we are actually a, a, a family business. We started back in '96 as a uh, self-storage company mm -hmm. and uh, expanded that fairly fairly rapidly uh, to, to 2002. And then in 2003, uh, started to look at uh, the record 
industry. Uh, back then in Australia, there were, there were probably around about three to four national providers, and we did some, some due diligence and, and felt that there was some, some opening for some small to medium size uh, records businesses within the, uh, within the marketplace and started to research fairly closely the industry and, and, and where we could fit. We found that it was, it was difficult because there were so few providers and, and, and not an industry that wasn't that well known. So right. it was very much a startup for us with, without a lot of help and support. So uh, back in the early days, we opened the company in 2003 with, with one customer and, and 18 boxes in the corner of a, a very large 50,000 square foot warehouse in, in Altona North, which is a, a suburb of about 15 minutes outside of, uh, of Melbourne. So did, business district. did those 18 boxes that you put in this big warehouse, did they come out of your self-storage company or was this an independent uh, or external client that, that came as a result? It was an external client. So what, what we essentially did is build a website and engaged, uh, we, we, we engaged O'Neill. Uh, we still use O'Neill today to, as our software provider and as a strategic partner and they were, were were very helpful back in those those early days in giving us guidance and, and assistance to get the business off the ground and essentially obviously train us on on how to use the software. So during that stage, by luck, really, the, the first customer came along and and we were as surprised as anyone to to actually get them. But it it was the it was the beginning of the journey for us. Right. Okay. So uh, you get this first customer. And they they came just sort of happenstance, but 18 boxes has to grow somehow. So tell me a little bit about the genesis and the growth, the early growth of the business. What transpired? Because you can't get where you are today, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but you can't get where you are today without the next 18 boxes. How did how did that early day start transpiring? Yeah, well, we were, we were in, a, in a good position in the sense that uh, – we 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 were sort of very much as you can appreciate at the the small end of of the market. So yeah. we were knocking on a lot of doors. We had a, a very big warehouse and, and a lot of outgoings that were putting a lot of pressure on on the management of the, the business at that point in time. So so our drive was really to get as many boxes on on shelves as we could ultimately to to get the business to a break even point and, and hopefully one day make some money. So we. Um, we knocked on a lot of doors, and, and really our, our pitch was that we'd offer something different. Again, because the, the market was dominated by those three to four large, very large right. national companies. Yeah. To have a provider that was coming in and, and offering a very dedicated, tailored solution to the marketplace, that was really the key difference. So it, essentially back in those days, I'd really been told how they were going to manage their boxes or how their boxes were going to be managed, I should say, by... The companies, rather right. than them actually telling the records management company, "Hey, I, this is the solution I want. Uh, can you provide this?" So we were really coming in from a "you tell us what you want" perspective, and and within our uh, obviously within our software parameters and within our management structures, we will give you that. And it sounds simple, but obviously it's one of those things. It's also very easy to say. And we then needed to deliver on those promises and, and make good on what we had said we could deliver. So it was really one of the first sort of strategies we have and is still one that we, we have today. And, and it, it's been very successful for us. But it's only as successful as, as long as you continue to deliver on that. 
Right. So you're out there pounding the pavement, and it sounds to me like you were going after small to mid-sized businesses that were likely not already vended. How did they react to that kind of language when they didn't really know the opposite? Or were you actually going up against the big the big company or those big national providers and trying to talk them talk to their clients in a different way. We didn't discriminate, Tom. So we, if someone had, <laughs> like I said, 18 boxes or yeah. if they had a, a 100,000 boxes, we were quite bold and, and quite persistent okay. and, and had a lot of faith in what we could do, even though we, we hadn't really done it as yet. Right. And, and that led into, to, in our second year of operation, we, we actually, uh, one of the, the bigger doors we knocked on was, was one of the largest uh, uh, supermarket and, and retail chains Australia and through very long negotiation process we we actually were successful and, and won that client and that, that would have been classified in about the top five largest clients in, in the country at that time and we uh, we managed to transfer uh, just over 220,000 standard archive cartons um, from their existing vended providers who, who were the larger the larger companies that were in Australia across to and and as a, they had a strategy to bring everything back to Melbourne which mm. was really fortunate for us because that was the only premises we had at that time right so we we uh, through a 75 day consecutive transfer we transferred the whole 220,000 archives and uh, we still have them as a client today and then, wow which is which is fantastic yeah that's that's a big deal in your second year it was and and, and we really needed to be very cautious with our with our growth at, at that time, and, and we we were still learning the business yeah. um, again because of the business didn't come out of acquisition; it came from a startup. We we needed to really put the brakes on on uh, the strategies we'd had of, of trying to to grow the business. We we needed we basically stopped everything for a year just to make sure we um, we could service this one large client properly and effectively as as we we told them we would. We sort of found halfway through the, the transfer and, and a lot of clients that we've been working on were starting to then then move across to us and, and we were just getting too busy and it was getting a little out of control. So we, we definitely put the brakes on the, the business throughout 2004, 2005 to, um, to slow things down and, and get a, a better appreciation and, and understanding. Hmm. So that transfer obviously creates huge amounts of I, I would think even capital requirements at that point, because uh, a large company like that coming in, if you're set up to just get started, I can only imagine the difficulty it took to to wrap your head around 75-day uh, move-in, or were you fully prepared for that? Yes, certainly, uh, Tom. It's, it, it was one thing that on paper you can be fully prepared, but yeah. in reality that it. Uh, it was a different story, and, and we were lucky. We'd, we'd built a very strong relationship with the company and, and with the team that was responsible on their side for the transfer, and, and they were really understanding, and they really wanted to move across to us because they could see some longer-term benefits at the at the end of the road for, for, for them as well and, and what they'd sort of previously been experiencing with their existing providers. So they, they were as keen to, uh, to, to move across as as we were to, to, to get them in. Um, so we, we were lucky in that sense, but definitely certain things happened throughout the, the transfer that, that that put a lot of pressure on us. And, oh, and can we only were, imagine. Uh, we, were, we were chasing our tails a little bit because at that same time we were also um, having to 
build the facility to accommodate, or build the racking, I should say, to accommodate. So essentially, as the boxes were coming in, we were, we were standing up racks to, uh, to get the next day of, of boxes through. So um, certainly not something that, that, that we, we thought would happen at the <laughs> beginning, but uh, certain challenges and, and uh, throughout um, the, the racking installment that, that uh, we'd, we'd essentially caught up to the install crew and, and uh, it, it, it put a lot of additional pressures on, uh, on the transfer. Oh, I can only imagine. I know sometimes when those kind of transfers occur uh, in North America, sometimes there's a whole lot less flow happens, but 225 or 220,000 boxes in 75 days, that's a heck of a lot of stuff moving. Yeah, it, it sure was. And, and again, in our, our, in our second year of operation, too, it, it was certainly pushing the boundaries of, <laughs> of our experience yeah. and, and our knowledge. But the best thing about it, Tom, is it, it sort of took us from very much a, a local provider and, and really took us to, up to that, that mid-level provider and, and also meant that we put a lot more infrastructure back into the business and yeah. needed to upgrade a lot more of our, our technology and additional staff, additional vehicles, additional infrastructure. So it was fantastic in the sense that it took us out of our comfort zone, but it also meant that, that we drove the business a lot harder and the business wouldn't be what it is today if we didn't pick up that, that large contract back in 2004. It launched us into the, the industry within this country and, and sort of paved the way for us to become the, the national company that we are today. Oh, that's so cool. So tell, tell me a little bit about that because I know there's lots of story in between, but tell me about who you are today. So if I look at Fort Knox today, what are the what's tell me a little bit about your size your scope um i you've said national company so tell me a little bit about what fort knox looks like today in a in a broad sweeping uh 10,000 foot view sure uh so today we uh specialize in the hard copy storage management retrieval of of company documents so that's our core business and and always has been our, our core business as we've grown over the years, that's led into additional services that we offer, um, so that the storage of media and data tapes, um, uh, scanning and imaging is a more recent addition, uh, destruction services, digital storage. So as the, the, the company's grown, the additional services that our clients have required and, and services that have been available within the industry right. um, uh, that I suppose our competitors have also offered is is what we've moved into. Uh, so it's been great to sort of grow from that purely just a, a, a paper-based storage center to, yeah. to, to now what it is today, offering a, a huge suite of services. Hmm. We employ around 30 people nationally uh, within Australia. Many of the people that are within our team have sort of came through with us back in 2004, 2005, um, as we went through our, our sort of major growth spurt. Uh, so I think that's a real testament to the company and yeah. having the, many of the same team that's been with us almost since day one is, is, is not only uh, for, from a management point of view, something we're very proud of, but certainly from our clients' perspective, they feel a lot more comfortable speaking to the, the, the same people within the company that they have also for, for a number of years. So yeah. Being a family business, it's it sort of grown to, to a lot more than that now and, and we have a, a you know, financial partner in place and and as we, we grew into a national company, we, we rebranded the company in 2010 to make it a, a truly national company. I joined with an operation in, in Adelaide and, and one in Perth as well in, in Australia. And uh, 
and and since then um, we've really gone from strength to strength over the last two years. So why the name Fort Knox? What where did that come from? I, I mean, I I know f- what Fort Knox is, but it does that play <laughs> as well in the Australian market as it might in the North American market? Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, Tom. Unlike in America and Australia, Fort Knox doesn't store all the gold. So we only store uh, archives and, and obviously offer digital services. Right. But, uh, the name came from, in 96, we started a, a self-storage business. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that was where the, 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 the idea to come into to the record space came from. So we, we absolutely love the name, I suppose, because of what, what picture it paints in, in right. people's minds when they think of Fort Knox. They think of the, the Fort Knox in America and the, the security and obviously what it, it stores. So we feel it was a, a great name, not only for our self-storage business, but also for our, our records management business. And, and we built up a very strong brand name with the, the self-storage business. So it seemed logical to, to bring that same brand name into the records management business, even though they, they run completely separately. Right. It's a name that, that is well known in uh, in our local markets in Australia. Yeah. So the development of the company, we, we got to the, the big, huge monster account, the 220,000 box account shows up uh, in your second year. And for the next year and a half, you basically just try and consolidate or support this monster client that you get in. But as we all know, one client does not make a business, so you get yourself stable and then you go back to work. So tell me about some of the ongoing milestones you had to hit or you hit that really solidified the business as more than a one-trick pony. Yeah, well, after doing such a such a big job, you're exactly right. You, you need to get back on and, and, and really go back to what we knew, which was, was knocking on doors again and pitching ourselves to the market. Uh, We'd now sort of now we're sort of pushing through 2005, and and we had been open for for two or so years at that point in time, and and we're starting to get some traction with our client base. Um, so was a lot of it was came from working with our client base to to see what other business they could refer us to, hmm. um, what other opportunities they had that we could potentially speak to. But it was really getting back out there and knocking on the doors. And Tom, we, we sort of went through a stage where we thought, okay, well, we've got one national customer. Let's let's try for a whole lot more. And we got a little bit caught up in that and started trying to, to go for very large clients. And they took a lot of time and a lot of resource. And, and you'd spent, as, as I'm sure many of the listeners know, but you'd, you'd spent sort of 18 or, or 24 months right. sort of pitching to these companies and, and flying all around the country and and at great expense, and and after a while, we sort of started to realise, well, that's that's really not our core business. If the, the national companies come along, then, then that's great, and we, we know now we can service them. But it was really going back to that small, medium marketplace right. where where we were originally very strong and were having success before this large company came along, and and so essentially it was going back to basics and and focusing on companies that we felt would be a better fit with us that we could make a real difference to. And, it, and again, that was potentially clients that weren't being serviced as well as they potentially could be mm-hmm. because of their size. Right. So we went back to that smaller end of the market, and, and really that's where, where our growth has come from and, and still continues from today. The, the larger clients are, are very few and far between now, and as you know, because of their size, they are very hard to, to win over. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and so we've gone back to what we know, and, and it's, it's been a very successful strategy for us. And, and, and now, I mean, obviously we're very happy to take on any customers still as we were back when we started, but we, we know where our core strength is, and, and that is in that, that, that small to medium space. So you, you've mentioned a couple of times that whole sense of knocking on doors. Uh, is that still how you do it? Are you still just out knocking on doors, or have you evolved that? Because it seems to me the the deeper we get into the Internet age and the more protection barriers we put around ourselves, it's really hard to do it that way. So by knocking on doors, are you are you basically saying that's what you're doing, or is, is knocking on doors a way of saying all the stuff that you do to get in front of the small to mid-size? client yeah it's uh, like most businesses it's, it's trial and error so um, over the years we've, we've trialed most mediums of, of trying to get in front of our clients whether it be industry publications whether it be um, uh, trade shows whether it be uh, advertisements on, on radio right and still still the hardest still the challenge is is obviously finding clients that have a need so that's this that's still the number one challenge so yeah. if, if we if we're speaking to a client that doesn't have a need or they're already vendor and very happy with that vendor, then it's a, it's, a, it's a tough sell to try and get them to move across. So it's really been very diligent with uh, surveying the marketplace that's out there is to, to, to essentially try and find clients with a need and, and try and find that perfect timing where something may have happened with their existing provider that's ticked them off and, and, and has sort of made them rethink where they, they are currently at with their, their records, they're looking at their options. Yeah. Um, and also, um, you know, a lot of our clients within this country are, are still actually keep their records in-house. So mm. the, those sorts of clients are, are like gold for us, So you, where you're not trying to, to move and spend us. So it really is, Tom, it's the, the broad brush okay. approach of yeah. really going to the entire market and it's, it's a little bit of a hit and miss process but in terms of getting in front of our clients we obviously have a, a strong web presence and we rely heavily on our on our sales team and, and um, business development team and and really their ability and their skills to, to, to get our company and our services in, in front of in front of the, uh, the individual clients. Hmm. You've talked about being national. You've got three big locations. So you've got Sydney, you've got uh, or Melbourne, which is sort of head headquarters and home office, and then you've got Sydney and Brisbane. I realize they're in suburbs, but are those the three big centers you're currently serving? Yeah, so we're in all of the biggest centers. We're not in the territories, um, being Northern Territory and, and uh, in Canberra. We're in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane on the east coast of Australia. Uh, we're in Adelaide, in the, the middle of Australia, in Perth, on the uh, the west coast. Of oh, Australia. okay. Okay. So um, they're, they're the they're the five major centres within the country. In a competitive market, one of the things you talked about was your positioning early on, which was the the client can do whatever they want. So they can come to you and say, as long as it's within your software and your structure and your management position, we can tailor something for you. My, I guess my question becomes, as you become a large national provider and you've got more systems and you've got more structure, are you still able to keep that as your positioning? It was a little bit of a, uh, a sort of a, a, a moment for us. Um, I would say sort of around about 2008 when the, we were starting to, to really evolve and, and at that point we'd, we'd open uh, locations uh, in, in Sydney by this point and we're starting to look at 
obviously our options of, of turning ourselves into a national company. And yeah. That was from day one our strategy of, of very much being a, a company that, that would, if you had 100 clients, that we could offer 100 different suites of services to 100 clients. And, and that put a lot of additional demands on, okay, well, that's client X. Uh, they need it by this time and they like this particular style of service right. and, and they would like that particular type of invoice, for example. And then having every client on a different setup was putting strain on the business. Oh, uh, yeah. And what, what we then needed, to, we sort of broke down as, as okay, well, what, do, what are most of these clients wanting in their tailored solution? And sat down and, and went through a lot of um, looking at, uh, especially not only our, our, our larger, more major clients, but also our smaller clients because they, they were our, our bread and butter. Yeah. And we, we sort of looked at the averages of, of what most of the companies were were after and and therefore that then formed the backbone of, of what we'd call our standard services hmm. uh, and then when clients wanted additional services added to that or, or a more tailored solution then we'd just work that into the, the standard services and really providing we could we could automate it and, and make it very clear to the the operations team that that um, this client was after this, this uh, particular style of delivery, then we would commit to it and we would do it. But that was, I suppose, something that we, we was really much, was really defined by consultation with within our team to sort of say, okay, well, if we're going to say we can do this, we need to be able to do right. it. We need to be able to do it not only today but for the next 20 years. Yeah. So it was something that that uh, was a little bit of give and take with the operations team. And it still is that give and take there today whenever a new client comes on board that, that does want something that's a little bit left of centre, I suppose. So it's it's an ongoing consultation that we have within our team to make sure because there's, there's nothing worse than that, that old catchphrase of we deliver on what we promise but then we don't and yeah. uh, then you, you have a very unhappy customer. Yeah. So what do you love about this business? What do you just get excited about? Because you're you're more than just a local record center now. You've grown into a national presence, and you know you live in a corporate environment now. I realize you're very entrepreneurial, but you know it, it, the bigger you get, the the more you're looking at numbers, and the more you're you're um, sort of sitting back managing spreadsheets sometimes. But what do you love about this business still? For me, it's still that that family business, and and you know leading into this um, leading into this interview. You know, I was going through, sort of trying to think through a, a timeline of, of, of the company a little bit as to sort of uh, get my mind into that space of, of talking about the, our last sort of uh, our last sort of ten years of evolution yeah. and and really sort of thinking back to, to I actually found some old photos of of those eighteen boxes in, in the corner of a, a very large warehouse and and now sort of look back and, and think of of what the company is is now today and I suppose there's a lot of pride we have in the business and, and, and the services that we offer and certainly um, for, for, for me personally as well, the, our team that we have here is, is really makes a difference and, and they're the ones that go above and beyond for us every day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I might see the client in, certainly in the, the, the lead up to, to them coming across to Fort Knox and, and then might see them once a year at a, a client function or, or a, a luncheon or, or something of that nature but our clients see our, our, our team, our delivery team every day and they yeah. speak to uh, 
our operations team every day and, and they're really the ones that, that are making the difference in keeping our customers happy. So to, to hear feedback from, from our existing clients, you know, little snippets of how did we do or a feedback or an email saying how efficient a, a certain delivery was, you know, for me that, that, that really makes my day. It, it's great to hear and, and because in the, the beginning and in the pitch phase we, we say we can do all of this right. but then to actually hear that feedback and, and it, 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 I get a real kick out of it personally. Oh, cool. Um, but definitely, Tom, to, to see the business, to see what it's grown into, and especially because we haven't done it, we've never applied another business. It's all been through through natural growth and, and, and really, as we discussed earlier, of, of pounding the pavement and doing it the hard way. So um, we're really proud of, of what we've built over the last 10 years and and, um, and you know, we're really excited about the future and, and new areas that we're going into, like scanning and imaging and new services that we can offer to our clients and that we're having a lot of success with. So it's really about, um, for, for us, I suppose, looking to the future and, and I suppose the services that we currently offer, but, but how can we make that better for our clients and for their experience with us? Yeah. Oh, that's that's so cool. So I, I like to ask this question, and it generally leads into an interesting response, but if you could go back to 2003 when you started this part of the business, uh, knowing all you know today after 10, 10 or more years of being in it and you've got all this new knowledge, if you could go back and advise yourself on something, what specifically would you say to your younger self with the knowledge you have now? Let me slow down and do a little bit more research. Hmm. <laughs> I think uh, it was um, – we were essentially back then we would uh, – in our um, in our local state, Tom is uh, Victoria. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a governing body here, so if you want to store government records, um, you need to become what's called an APROS, which is an approved public record office storage supplier. And we went to when we were looking at getting into the business, we we went to the public record office and said, okay, well, how do we get this certification? They essentially said, well, look, you won't get it because for records management and we sort of don't like really being told that we won't get something and it was a little bit of uh, a little bit of we'll show you and 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 so we went and, and, and I suppose bit off a little bit more than we could chew and got a very large premise and made sure that uh, the APROS team came out and approved all of that and so we, we probably got into the business in the very beginning we, we probably were a little bit too quick and, and didn't do enough research but hey it, it's worked out well for us and yeah and sometimes you've got to jump in the deep end. Yeah. Well, that that to me is when you were telling telling me about the you know that first new client. That's that's the the image that came to me. Like you you're just into the end the business in a real way, and all of a sudden you're like thrown into the deep end. You don't have a life jacket. You don't have anything. You're just like swimming like crazy, and you learn to swim. And it sounds like you did. And uh, based on everything you said, man, you guys have have done incredibly well. A national footprint, a solid business, a you know great clients, uh, lots of future. And and guy, I'm I'm really grateful for the opportunity to hear your story and hear about your success. And I'm excited to share your story with other people because I I think it's such a cool one. Well, thank you, Tom, and and thank you for listening. We uh, really appreciated talking to you this morning and. Tell you a little bit more about Fort Knox, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, I'll get to see you face to face very soon. That'd be great. Well, great chatting with you again. Thanks for being on the show, and we'll catch up soon.
there you have it. Another great interview. Guy Wilson, great stuff. want to thank Guy for being on the show today. I, I love that whole thing of jumping in the deep end. Can you imagine 220000 box account when you're less than a year old, you barely know the industry, and something cool like that happens? I can only imagine uh, the intensity of that all. But uh, really good stuff there. A- another great story in our industry. What I love so much every every week in doing this show is connecting and hearing people's stories from around the world who are doing amazing things. And so special thanks to Guy for being a part of sharing his story with us today. Thank you for being here. And I want to thank O'Neill Software, our sponsors for the show, for their support of me being able to help tell these stories on a weekly basis about people in the industry. What I know about O'Neill is they make killer software for the industry. They spend a ton of money on development, on research, on creating new things, their whole cloud development is is really interesting and intriguing and is is leading the way and the industry is really being pushed forward by the work that O'Neill's doing on it. So if you're interested in being a part of that equation, you can learn more about O'Neill at oneillsoft.com. As always, we'll be back next week. I hope you have a great week and we will see you in a week. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com, where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.